0: What a great day to be in church. There's no better place to be in church uh, other than in church. So it's good to see everybody. Hopefully, everybody's getting into the rhythm of life and living here today with kids back in school. That's always good. All the new parents that kids went to school for the first time, shed those tears, but enjoy the time away in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, You know, one of the things that has brought great joy. To me this past week, um, especially with all that's going on inside of our world. It just brought a lot of peace, a lot, of, a lot that's going on in our world, a lot of challenges. Um, you know, you just can't turn on the TV and not be uh, frustrated. can't turn it on and not be uh, moved with compassion to see so many people displaced and American individuals in, a, in Afghanistan that are, you know, haven't been able to get out yet. And, and it, it's just... It's a little frustrating, right? And you you can look at this and like, what's going on in our world and why is it going on? And you know, a thought that's out there is like, well, why why are we a people that's even interrupting or dealing with anybody else? Or why don't we just focus on ourselves? And you know, why don't we just be a people that lets the Muslim countries do what they wanna do or whatever and believe what they wanna believe and all that and it's, you know, the world in which we live in, um, it's just so complicated. The whole series that we're in, Wise Up, is for this exact purpose, that man, in the information age in which we live in, there's just so many things that are out there, and we are so privy to everything that's in the world, like going on globally with different faiths and different governments and different kingdoms and all this other stuff, that now we have to process that information. And as we process this information, um, everybody comes to conclusions, and depending on what you believe or how you've been raised you're going to come to certain outcomes right and certain beliefs on how things should work um and and this has been going on for since the beginning of time really since humanity has stepped into the world there's been evil and destruction and and pain all around us and and so today you know it's uh some of the brought comfort to me this past week is you know, I've heard some people say like, well, why as Christians are we like going into the world? Why don't we just let other faiths believe what they want to believe and do what they want to do and all that? And, and I, you know, I completely understand that, especially when there's so much chaos in the world, when it's like the coexist bumper sticker. Everybody's like, yeah, I'll just coexist. Uh. But, you know, it, it's we, we live in a world that it's always there's been kingdoms and, and beliefs and religions that have come against each other. I mean, you look at, you know, Christendom and all that that era in our history and the Muslim faith and the things that which they've done, you know, it's, it's complicated, and I'm not going to get into those trenches today, but one thing I heard this past week is that in Egypt today, uh, there's Christian churches there, and this is how they're evangelizing. Uh, they're, they're putting uh, ads out in the paper, and they're saying, hey, if you've seen the man in white in your dreams, we have something, uh, he has something for you, we would love to have a conversation, we'd call this number. And literally in the Muslim world today, people are moving towards Christ, not because people are talking about it, because Jesus is making himself known to people in their dreams. And this is a world in which we live in here today that Jesus will make himself known. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. As Christians, we stand on a firm foundation in what we believe. We do serve in an exclusive religion. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. We didn't say it, right? And so it's very easy for us in a world where we're like, well, let's just pull back and not, you know, push forward with inside of our faith because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Jesus continued to make himself known. We just got to step into those atmospheres and continue to share the hope that Jesus has for humanity. Amen. And so, um, uh, we talked about in a series, a couple, I think it was two years ago when we talked about asking for a friend. And one of those things was, is like, what happens to those unknown tribes and all those places out there in the middle of Africa or South America or whatever, like, are they going to have a chance to know Jesus? As I said then, and I'm saying now, yeah, Jesus will make himself known. There's missionaries that have gone into remote places of the world and begin to talk about Jesus, and they're like, we know that man. Never had anybody else come in, but Jesus has made himself known. So we stand upon firm ground here today, and as a people and as a faith, that man, God is going to do what he wants to do. Jesus is going to make himself known, and uh, he is making himself known in the Muslim world, and people are coming to know him at an incredible rate so which is legit all right uh we all good everybody's good all right i know it's complicated we're living in a very complicating world here today hence why we're in the series wise up little did i know when we started this series we would be where we're at in in our world today but case in point right uh as a pastor you know I, i want a a biblically educated emotionally healthy and spiritually mature church in order to be uh, to exist our church you know the church in which i shepherd jesus is the head of this church i just get to shepherd it maybe temporarily who knows what happens but i i started it i get to shepherd it and uh, i in the church in which i shepherd i hope is empowered with information of the truth of god's word that in the complex world in which we live in we're not compromised in what we believe but we're actually uh, uh, encouraged and strengthened in it so that we can rise up as a people In any season of life in which we live and hence why we're in this series, Wise Up. Cool? So you can write this cross-topic paper. If you want to take notes, you can write this. The weight of wisdom. The weight of wisdom. Anybody ever been in a place in your life where you did something? Maybe you were younger. Maybe you were just void of information, but you made some decisions to do some things that upon revelation of what you were doing and how close you were to death, You probably wouldn't do it again. Anybody else? Anybody else? (laughs) Now, for me, I'm an adventurous individual. I love going and doing and accomplishing and, like, seeing and all that stuff. Well, my wife, she loves to do that to a certain extent, uh, but she is not, like, uh, uh, pedal to the metal, like, I'll get up at 6 a.m. and I'm running until, like, 12, and then get a little bit of sleep, and I'm back at it. So we were in New York a couple years ago, and um, I was out, and uh, we did the... Times square during the day and so we go back to the hotel and it's like eight o'clock she has our uh two-year-old or something at that time i think it was i think ellis was like two around that time and uh they're like they're getting ready for bed well i'm like i want to go see like Times square at night with the lights camera in action and you guys are going to sleep so let me go out and i'm gonna go from manhattan where we're staying all the way into it was like 10 blocks away so i'm like cool i'm gonna go so I went out and I did the thing, went and saw the lights, got the sights, to smell. I mean, this is a city that never sleeps in New York, right? So I'm like, it's got to be, you know, it's all good. Like everybody's up and I'm, in my mind, it's like, if it's a city that never sleeps, I've never been there before. I'm like, there's got to be the same amount of people at like 2 a.m. than there is at like 2 p.m. I'm like, that's if it never sleeps, right? That's my rationale. I'm not out at 2 a.m. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out there right now. It's like nine o'clock at night, so I walk on down to Man- the Times Square. It's beautiful, it's incredible, all this stuff. I saw the lights, and then I walked back. It's all good. Now, six months later, I'm in a conversation with an individual that lives in New York, and he's telling this story. Well, he throws out this story. And I'm like, yeah, just you know, just a couple months ago, we got held up at gunpoint and got mugged in New York. Isn't that crazy? And I was like, that, that, is, that is crazy. That is crazy. He's like, yeah, it happens all the time inside of New York if you're walking at night and you're alone. Uh, you'll, you'll get mugged, you know, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Needless to say, I'm not going by my, like a media made the thought right there. It was like, I'm never walking again in New York. I'm going to take the cab, pay the $50 to go 10 blocks. I'm never going to do it again. Right? How close was I to death? I don't know. Or like the time Heather and I were down in Cancun at a resort that just got like blown over by a hurricane. So they bit up a big fence down the middle of it and we're like, what's on the other side of the fence? Let's go explore. Little do we know we were walking to a cartel controlled area that chased us back to the resort. <laughs> we're so close to death. I like living on the edge. It's epic. <laughs> Here's the deal. Once we have the information, once you have information, now you are empowered to make a better decision. And we all live under the weight of this, that when you have information, more knowledge, it gives you the power now to make better decisions throughout your life. There is a weight that comes to wisdom. Now, many of us have understanding and knowledge and wisdom, and sometimes we act like we don't, right? Like I don't know, right? Why can't you pay your bills? I don't know, right? "Ah, You spent too much on your credit card. That's why you can't, right? So sometimes we can play stupid just like our children can play stupid sometimes when they're like, I don't know, I don't know. There's a weight that comes with wisdom. We've all been here inside of life. Once we know, we have the responsibility to make the right decision so the outcomes of our lives are different. There's weight that comes with wisdom. You know, a couple weeks ago I was looking at this and I said, man, I want to preach this message right here today because... The wisest man to ever live, known as Solomon, started this whole thing off on, uh, for us on, in Proverbs. Solomon is an individual that you look a book over in Ecclesiastes, or a couple books over in Ecclesiastes, and he would write, hey, in all of life, in all of this stuff, he would bring some information to say what life and it's all about. Like, and I'll read it here in just in a second in Ecclesiastes. But the wisest man to ever live Is searching out wisdom of the world, understanding of the world, going after all of it. If you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, some scholars believe you can take all the other books of the Bible and put it right here into Ecclesiastes. The sum and the substance, the ethos of the Bible is uh, centered right here inside of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is written from a a literature form uh, of pessimism. It's it's like this pessimistic approach. Any pessimists inside of here? The glass is half empty. Anybody else? Come on, anybody married to somebody like that? ecclesiastes is that it's written from a literary perspective that's pessimistic right it's posing questions so you can get a a, like you get a if you're not paying attention you can look a little uh not see the ecclesiastes as it is its intent is so you got to be careful whenever you're reading it but ecclesiastes you look at solomon writing this book would say this he's the wisest man to ever live um He searched the world, and so let's jump into this. In chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, verse number 12, it says, The vanity of wisdom, this is kind of the title of the chapter. It says, I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. It says, I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. He's like, I'm going after all understanding that's right here underneath heaven. I want to know it. He's gone after it. He's seeking it. It goes on to say that I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. Whoa! Isn't that true in what we live in here today? If we look at the landscape of life, it's like, man, God has dealt us a tragic existence. We live in a complicated world, a challenged world. Oh, he's saying I sought it and I seeked it. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to understand it. And I'm finding out is that God has dealt us a tragic existence to the human race i observed everything going on under the sun and I, and really it is meaningless like chasing the wind i've seen it all it's meaningless it's like chasing after the wind you ever chase the wind before it's called running it's called running <laughs> many of you guys haven't done it in a while <laughs> probably want to pick that back up right chase the wind he goes on to say what is wrong cannot be made right intellectual pursuit i'm trying to make sense of the world there's wrong things in the world there's these crooked paths that are out there and i can't make these things straight i just struggling what is missing cannot be recovered like there's things that just are missing from the human intellect of understanding that just you can't recover you can't grab it and understand it's just missing i've sought these things he he He's bringing the brevity of life. Like he's he's bringing it together right here. He's in verse number sixteen. I said to myself, "Look, I am wiser than any other uh, any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me." Humble brag. I'm greater. I uh, have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. Verse number seventeen. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. He's going down all the trenches, death, destruction, pain, all the intellectual ideas of philosophers. I, he studied it. he's he's like i've done it all but i learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind there's no conclusion to it it's never ending you're always chasing verse number 18 sums it all up here the greater my wisdom the greater my grief to increase knowledge only increases sorrow the more I grow in understanding on how life is and how it operates and the, and the, the complications of it, the more my grief grows. The, the, more, I, uh, the more I increase in knowledge and, and, and understanding, the more my sorrow grows. You, know, you think about a, a people. We live in a world here today that I would say ignorance is bliss to a certain extent. If you don't know how much easier is it just just to exist i mean whenever you whenever you're a kid what did you worry about whenever you were a kid not much my kids today worry about it at five and two years old they're worrying about the next time they're going to hang out with their friends the next play date they're going to have the next time they're going to step into the imaginary world and enjoy life the next dessert like ellis loves the next dessert it's eat i got to eat and then what's for dessert mom and dad that that's her that's the jo- that's, that is their perspective. Ignorance is bliss. They don't understand the complications of life. They don't understand how life works. They don't understand that bad things happen to good people. They don't understand that miscarriages happen a lot of times inside of marriages when people are trying to have children. They don't understand all those complexities, so they're not carrying the weight of all of that stuff. They're just enjoying life for what it is. And here it is for all of us inside of here that there is a weight to the wisdom. As we grow in stature, as we grow in understanding, we have to process all the complications of life. Why is it that bad things happen to good people? Well, why is it that the pursuit of life is that we grow up and then we get married and then We go to work and we're we're going to work every single day for the next however long in order to invest our talents to a certain place that then we're resourced back in order to pay whatever decisions we make on living uh, situations. And then we put food on our table and then we we repeat the process. And we do that for how long? And then in that that journey, there's a compensation that goes on where some people are paid more than others, but the same time is being invested by two individuals. It's just two different responsibilities that are being given. And is that unjust or is that unfair? Like, how, what does that all mean? And this is the life in which we live. These are the challenges that we face. And why is it that America would be this blessed and have this freedom, but another place would not? Why is it that some places like Africa and Tanzania in which we adopted some children there, that some of these children are put into child marriage? Why is that complexity there inside of our world here today? Let me just tell you today, these are issues that have been uh, uh, sought after and, and, and tried to be understood for a millennia now. It's called sin. There's sin in this broken world. There is an enemy that is at work against the kingdom of God that wants to bring destruction to the world and to humanity. You and I are finite. He is infinite. God understands these things. There are clearly things that we cannot grab a hold of that will always be missing in our understanding. But the clear thing that delineates us from the world is we operate according to faith faith that our God through his word has revealed to us the plan to redeem humanity and we may not understand but he has it all worked out in his, in his infinite wisdom we just got to live by faith because that's what we do as by faith we don't understand it all but we take it by faith so that we can live without the weight of wisdom crushing us Have you ever had an individual in your life go on the journey of philosophers and all these high-sounding thinking, all this stuff out there and trying to make sense of it all and all of a sudden in three months they're atheist? You're like, bro, like how did you go from believing in Jesus to now you don't? So you chase down all these different arguments and ideas and you lost your faith in the process. That's why there's a beauty in the simplicity of the gospel, there's a beauty in being childlike, a childlike faith in which Jesus says, lest you become like a child, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Because as you grow in wisdom, there is complexity. Afghanistan is complex. Why is it happening today? Why did 13 servicemen and women have to die this past week, Our Marines have to die, and then countless other individuals die? Why did that have to happen? I don't think anybody else, you know, we can give like a firm answer. We're like, yeah. We stand firm and like, man, our God is in control. He's working in the middle of it. There's sin inside of our world. There's brokenness. There's evil. Bad things happen to good people. But that's not a bad God doing anything towards people. That's a good God. Man, allowing free will across the earth and decisions to be made in the middle of the destruction that people would choose him. And even in the middle of that, he will be glorified. People will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some people are here for a lifetime. Some people are here for a couple of years. It's the, li- it's the life in which we live. These are hard, deep questions. We will either be crushed under the weight of wisdom or we can be liberated through the freedom of salvation. It's in Jesus Christ that we are free. We become like children. We have a responsibility inside of this world to do something specific. And that's what I want to encourage us with today, especially in a time like today. That in all of this, I'm just I, I, what I'm trying to do right now is give you the weight of the world in which we live in. When you look at the landscape of life, it can crush you. The sorrow, the pain, the lack of answers, it can crush you. And it's the same thing, the wisest man to live at this moment in time, he would say the exact same thing. It's all worthless. All these longings and these, oh, I've sought it all, I've seen it all. It's all worthless. But here's the deal. Jesus came to give us a hope a future in a broken world jesus stepped in to give us something different than the world in which we live in and today i want to encourage you with a few things that are just principle to his ministry principle to his message that you and i in a face of a world that seems chaotic we can live something different that jesus desired for us to live in this upside down kingdom that jesus has called us to he's asked us to do things that are counterintuitive to the culture in which we live in Number two, if you want to write it down, there is a responsibility with the wisdom to live righteously. When you have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, nobody can talk you out of that experience. Human rationale and intellect can reason God out of your life. But when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you are a sinner saved by grace, you've come and you've given your sin and the shame up, and Jesus Christ has saved and redeemed you. He've released you from the penalty of your sin, and you've had a spiritual encounter with him. It's not by way of going back into your mother's womb and having rebirth, as Nicodemus said. How do we become born again? Jesus says, no, it's through a spiritual birth. birth. You're born of the spirit when you have that encounter of a spiritual rebirth no man can intellectually talk you out of the salvation you have in jesus christ because you've had an experience with a savior of the universe if you are living with this salvation through jesus christ we are in an upside down kingdom with expectations to live righteously that's counterintuitive to the world in which we live in the first thing i'll leave you with is this to become a leader we must first become a servant This is what Jesus has called us to do. The world in which we live in here today, everybody wants to lead. Everybody wants influence. But in the upside down kingdom in which Jesus has called us to live in, he's called us to be servants. Matthew 20 verse 24 says, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. James and John were trying to be at the right and left hand of Jesus whenever he ascended to his throne. This made all the other disciples frustrated because they're like, what are you talking about? We're all disciples too. But Jesus called them together, got his boys around and said this, you know, that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Right. We live in this. Maybe you even work for somebody that's a positional leader. It's like, look at me. I'm in the position to do as I say. Now. <laughs> right. This is the key. I mean, It's a world in which we live in. We got to be taught differently than maybe we've been nurtured into believing right sometimes okay we're not gonna go that right but sometimes that's our reality but among you it will be different jesus is giving the upside down kingdom principles here among you it will be different whoever wants to be your a leader among you must be your servant whoever wants to be uh first among you must become your slave for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many this is not intuitive to the human nature we want to be served Jesus is saying, if you want to be a leader with influence, especially as a believer, a follower of Christ, we are here to have influence, to empower people, to encourage people, to strengthen people. People don't know, care how much we know until they know how much we care. How does that happen? It comes through servitude. We become least, right? We, we want to serve people, love people, encourage people, be, uh, be a help to them, be a person that we walks into our workplace and say, how can I serve you? Boss, how can I serve you? What can I do to serve you? John Maxwell will say it this way, you want to go somewhere fast, do it alone. You want to go somewhere, or you want, to go, uh, you want to go far in life, do it with a team. Do it with a group of people in which you're serving, you are loving, you are encouraging. Do it with people around you. But that me mentality will take off and say, I'm going to do this alone. I just heard a story this past week. I'm reading a book called Pivot and, uh, uh, Pivot and Go by David Nurse, individual that I met a couple weeks ago, but he's got a great book, and he talked about, man, servant leadership. And one of the ways that he's modeled it inside of his life is just, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? How can I help you? You wanna move forward inside of life? You wanna progress inside of life? Start serving other people around you. So what he said is now, I would get out, he was a shooting coach in the NBA. He got out to the basketball court one game where he was, he was a, a shooting coach for the, the Brooklyn Knicks. Um, Brooklyn Knicks now. No, not the Brooklyn Knicks. Brooklyn Nets, there you go. I'm like, that does not sound right at all. They're changing names up on me now. I don't necessarily pay attention very much anymore. But okay, the Brooklyn Nets. So he was uh, a shooting coach. Well, he shows up to a Mavs game at the Mavs arena, and Mark Cuban is out there on the floor early. So there's just them two out there. Well, Mark Cuban is a competitive guy, so he's out there shooting. So he's a shooting coach. He's like, hey, I'm just going to rebound for him and throw him the ball, and he's doing that whole bit. Well, at one point in time, Mark Cuban misses a shot, and he's like, man, my legs are just, you know, not the way they used to be, and blah, blah, blah. Well, the shooting coach says, hey, Well, I got a few shooting tips for you that can help you get better inside of your shot. He says, well, I'm all ears. So 15 minutes, he just gives them them some lessons, shows them like what he can do to change it up. He gets to the end of it and says, hey, I have some other stuff I'd love to share with you. If you give me your email, I would love to follow up with you tomorrow. His mentality is it doesn't matter who it is. I just want to serve. I just want to serve. I want to get in here and serve this individual. I know who Mark Cuban is, but I'm just an individual who has some talent that can help this guy with something he cares about at this moment in time. Everybody in our world around us cares about something. Are we tuning into what they care about to say, how can I serve you in this capacity? The best testimony you might have is, like, you know, giving up your world and your thing and saying, you know what? It's not about me, and my world. It's about you and your world. How can I serve you. This is the upside down kingdom which Jesus has called us to live, serving others. Moving on with a similar thought, it says this, uh, to truly find life, die to self. Jesus would tell us this in this upside down kingdom, Matthew 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for the sake of uh, uh, for my sake, you will save it. A clear indication that, man, you got to pick up your torture chamber. you got to pick up your, your area of sacrifice. you got to take on your pain, your struggle, just like he did for us inside of our lives to empower people around us. Now, here's the deal. If we're all giving up our lives, there's not going to be very much of us around anymore. But if we can give up our time, We can have some care and some compassion and say, I'm going to be with you and present with you. I'm going to walk with you through this relationship that's broken up. I'm going to walk with you through your marriage that's in shambles right now. I'm going to walk with you through this time right now where you're mismanaging your finances. I'm going to walk with you through your whatever you're walking through. I'm going to give up my life. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to find life on this journey. And man, it's going to be at the end of me giving up myself. It's an upside-down kingdom, counterintuitive to who we, uh, who we may be nurtured to be, maybe counterintuitive to who we want to be. But under the weight of what we know, according to the principles of Jesus Christ, this is what he's called us to do. Be individuals that serve. Be individuals that lay down our lives. Die to ourself, our selfish, sinful mentality. Live a selfless life to give. Pick up our torture chambers, crosses, and follow him. Another thing he's called us to do is to get back uh, at your enemy, love him. Now, this is really a hard thing to do in a world where there are so many challenges around us where people are judgmental, opinionated, right? Very critical world in which we live in. Information age, everybody can go on and say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. At any moment in time, they can hide behind a screen and post whatever they want about you, right? Now, what we can do, the easiest thing to do is lay our hands on somebody. I know you want to pray for them aggressively, you and I both, (laughs) But the reality is, in the world in which we live in, it is very easy to move aggressively at people. But this is, the, this is counterintuitive to the kingdom. The upside-down kingdom Jesus has called us to is, man, you want to get back at your enemies, love them. Wow. You know how hard it is to love somebody that does not like you? You probably really know. You are really intimate uh, with this conversation because we live in a world that is very opinionated, very critical. It's not easy to do it. It's not easy to sit, you know, hang on a cross and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's not easy to be Stephen, an individual that was properly distributing food to both, uh, both groups of people at that moment in time, but yet be accused of doing something he did not do and be stoned to death and have the same perspective as Jesus and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what, to do, what they do. Wow. But Jesus says in this upside-down kingdom, love your enemies. Matthew 5.43 says this, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Come on, how many enemies are on your prayer list? Not on your verbal assault list. I'm not talking about that list. (laughs) I'm talking about your prayer list in the morning where you wake up full of the Holy Spirit and you say, man, this person that doesn't look like me, talk like me, act like me, this person that has accused me of X, Y, and Z, God, will you bless them? Will you give them the raise and not me the raise? Come on, somebody. How many times have you prayed that prayer? Probably not very many. Why? Because you are human. you got destructive flesh that is around your body right now that is telling you to live according to your human nature, not your spirit nature. Romans would say this in Romans 12. Dear friends, Never take revenge, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. What? If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. What? In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their eyes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Finally got good, right? We were frustrated the first two times. Like, wait, I'm not gonna give them food. I am gonna. Even... Oh, I'm heaping coals? Yes, we'll do it all the time. Amen. Heaping coals of shame, not literal coals of shame. Okay, I know some of you guys going home to make a fire, you're like, (laughs) Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Let it be in your nature. Get it down deep inside of your nature. You know, there's an age-old statement, when the going gets uh, tough, the tough get going. Well, I would probably flip, I could flip that on its head and just say, hey, whenever the times get challenging, when you get the most hate coming your way, get the goodness of the Lord going. Man, get it going inside of your life. You know, I, I was talking to an individual that loves doing like the ultra marathons. A guy in our church that uh, um, uh, just finished an ultra marathon a couple weeks ago, 100 miles he ran. I just gonna say right now, if you were running 100 miles, that is not good on your body, that is not healthy to do that, but this individual is doing. Now, here's the deal. Every single ultra marathon individual I've ever talked to says you gotta fall in love with the pain. You gotta love pain. The pain, you get to the mental edge where your body wants to give up, but you gotta fall in love with the pain to say, I'm gonna do it (laughs) anyway. If you read the book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, he's all about embracing the pain. I just watched a clip of him the other day on Instagram and he's like, this chump doesn't know he got on. He was like doing his bike at home. You know how they have like the interactive deals? He's like, this chump doesn't know he got on with it. He's like, it's my fourth workout of the day. He's like, I'm like, whoa, come here. (laughs) Like, I want to go jump on a bike and beat somebody on the bike, too. I'm like, yeah, this chump doesn't know who they got to do. But he is like, can't hurt me. There ain't nothing that can hurt me. Nobody can hurt me. Nothing can hurt me. I'm stronger and bigger and better than everything. And this is the mentality we got to have when it comes to building the kingdom, especially in a critical, judgmental world, that we will not succumb to the devise the, the of the enemy that wants to bring criticism and judgment our way. And then all of a sudden, we rise up in our flesh to justify ourselves. We just got to keep on being good, loving people, and taking coals of shame and throwing them on their eyes in the most loving way he's like here's the coal of shame will you place that on your eye please no No. it's the upside down kingdom god has called us to this is the weight of the wisdom we walk in as followers of jesus christ we don't have we don't get to live like the world although we want to hey i'm i'm (laughs) preaching myself today okay But this hit my heart six weeks ago before we ever got to this moment. God was speaking to my heart already on this to say, hey, this is all folly. It is vanity. There's a a world searching after the temporary, but we are a part of the kingdom that is eternal. And if we get caught in the fringes, in the fray of chaos, we will lose sight of the kingdom in which God has called us, which is upside down to the world's thinking. Last thing I'll leave you with is this, to become rich, give money away. To become rich give money away to increase inside of your life get a heart of generosity on the inside of yourself luke 6 38 says this given you receive, your gift will return to you in full Pressed down shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap the amount you give will determine the amount you get back prosperity gospel right here amen i'm not getting behind the prosperity gospel in the way that it's portrayed out there don't get me wrong Prosperity gospel, man, if this is a good God that we serve that says, if you are generous, I will pour back into you generously. If you open up your hand, you will have the world open up their hand to you. If this is the God and this is the, a principle Jesus is speaking, then I want to live that thing out. And if it's a prosperity gospel and people want to call it a prosperity gospel, all good in the hood, because this is what I know. When our kids showed up at grandparents' house this past weekend, me, um, uh, Mimi and Pop, uh, Papa, Mimi and Papa, they like, when they show up, What does our two-year-old know? I want to go see Papa. The second thing that came out of her mouth, Papa, give me candy. (laughs) That's what it was. Why? Because my dad wants to blow their minds. My dad, his aim in life, he didn't necessarily get it right with us, there were some complications there, all good in the hood, right? But he's getting it right with his grandkids. He's making up for what he lacked in the home with me and the other three brothers that I have, and he's saying, I want to blow these grandchildren's mind. I want them to see me as a generous grandfather. And I'll tell you today, we already know what the word says. It says, ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive, right? I'm a good father that wants to pour good gifts on you, right? And if you earthly father know how to give good gifts, then I'm a heavenly father that knows how to give the Holy Spirit to you that will bless your life. We serve a good God. but that's a prosperity gospel, all good in the hood, I'm a prosperity gospel all day long. We serve a good God that, man, when we are generous, he wants to pour back into our lives. And if you want to get all Pentecostal on a press down, shaking together, running, making room for more, running over and poured out onto your lap, praise God. I want that for our church. I want everybody in this room to be a millionaire or plus that. With inflation, you're going to need it anyways. But on the other side of that, I want everybody to be millionaires. I want every believer to have more provision than they need. Why? Because they can be generous towards kingdom endeavors that are helping people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Ministry takes money. The gospel takes money. Can't get around it. So we should expect, I mean, Jewish people expect it. We serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We should be the most blessed people upon the face of the earth. If we operate in obedience, God will pour into our lives. I'll just tell you today, it may not be financial. When we operate in obedience, God can bless us however he wants to bless us. There's medical bills that can add up, but there's a healing in our body that can save us from those medical bills. Amen? Come on, there's provision inside of our lives that can come through a job that God opens a door for that now covers our ability to live. God can open doors that no man can shut. We serve a good God that wants to give good gifts. Every good gift, the Bible says, comes from the Father amen last thing i'll leave you with is this fear of god fear god and obey his commandments for this is everyone's duty ecclesiastes 12 the pessimistic book of the bible solomon would start it off and i know i left us in a place i'm like it's all worthless it's like chasing the wind there's a conclusion and it's in chapter 12 Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. Pessimistic approach. I've searched it all, seen it all. It's all worthless. In Ecclesiastes 12 verse 9 would say this. Keep, Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise and he taught the people everything he knew. We know in 1 Kings that Solomon lacked the wisdom to lead so he prayed for wisdom and God gave it to him. With that came all kinds of riches and wealth inside of his kingdom. Side note, David conquered all the towns of the Silk Road. King David, the greatest fighter king in Jerusalem, he conquered every single town that controlled the trade route in the ancient Silk Road. He controlled the trade. He brought wealth into the kingdom. What did Solomon do? Solomon married an Egyptian queen, and he secured all the maritime trade routes. So they had both the Silk Road and the Maritime Trade Routes. Where did the wealth in Jerusalem came from? It was from the wisdom to take control of the entire economy. Don't get me wrong now. We can't be in here like, uh, oh, butterfly and rainbows. <laughs> Increase in our life comes from wisdom inside of our lives. You want to become wealthy? Figure out some real estate. Figure out the financial world. Use wisdom and understanding of the world's thinking and use it in the world. Gain and attain in Jesus' name and be obedient with what God has placed in your hand. He wants to increase us. Solomon, the wisest man and richest man to ever live. But it flowed from his wisdom to take control of certain things that brought wealth in. Make sense? Amen. he's a wise man. It's not by chance. You wake up one day and be like, I'm gonna do this. It was wisdom, thinking, using his head, being smart, being wise. Where was that? Okay. Verse number 11 says this, the words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful, but helpful. Amen. That's why I like reading so much scripture, because the words of the wise that comes from heaven, man, sometimes you may not like it, but man, it looks like a solid cattle pride on your backside to get you going. That's the point of wisdom. It's to get you moving in the direction to honor God with your life and accomplish that's what we should do when we read the word. It should be a cattle prod. Or it should be like this. Another way to put it, their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. Pop, 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 pop. Moves them along. Gets them moving in the right direction. That's wisdom. These consolidated things, these truths. Verse number 12, but my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for, the, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. If you're an intellectual in here, I talked about it on the front, front end. I'm not saying you're not smart or smart enough. I'm just saying there's been people that are really, really smart in our world that has not come to the to conclusions on everything about life, all the complexity about it. If you go down that road, you've got to listen to the wisest man that ever lived at this moment in time that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this into this book. To say, I've been down this road to search it. You can go down that word road if you want, but it's going to make your body weary. Go down the word road, but once you feel a weary body or a, a confused mind, he's going to wrap it up on the back part, part of here. Don't go off the atheist edge because you can't figure it out. Let me just tell you, you are not God. And because you are not God, there will always be things that are absent of your understanding that requires faith. It is by faith. By faith. Lee Strobel went down this journey. He found Jesus on the journey. He was an atheist, but he went down this journey. i got to figure this thing out. Lee Strobel found him. Look at some Lee Strobel stuff. He'll take you in the right direction. There's other people though that have gone down this direction completely atheist today. Believers, completely atheists. You've heard me tell the story before. Billy Graham and there was another individual at the same time were preaching and doing incredible things. Thousands of people are coming to know Jesus in, in, uh, in Europe. But all of a sudden, there was a Time magazine that came out with that child dying uh, in the mother's uh, arms in Africa. If you remember, the, like it's a famous picture. The individual that was preaching with Billy Graham at that moment in, in time... He began to question the existence of God because he could not grab hold of how would a loving God allow that child to starve to death in Africa. Billy Graham took it by faith and said, God is in control and he's working it all together. This other individual is doing incredible things, became an atheist. The work that God called him to these incredible things was stopped simply by I cannot understand it and I will not take it by faith. I gotta be able to understand it to move forward with this gospel. And you can see the two different lives and how they came out. One, I don't even remember their name, and Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist that ever we've known on earth to this present day and time. So you can go down this road, but you got to be careful if you lean in that intellectual realm, okay? We take things by faith. Salvation is by spirit. It's a spirit thing. Verse number 12, or verse number 13, this is where he wraps it all together. He says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. He brings it all together. Fear God and obey his commandments for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. The wisest man to ever live, pessimistic approach. I've searched it all. It's all meaningless. There's a weight to this wisdom here's the conclusion. It all comes down to this. It comes down to this one thing or these two things inside of here. Fear God. What does fear God? He's in control. He's over it all. He's superior and he is sovereign. He is man. Alpha and omega, he sees the beginning and the end. We don't. We're finite. Fear God and his, his, his plan, his, his knowing, his knowledge. There's nothing new under the sun. God knows it all. We're merely a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow, James four fourteen 14 says, it's, we're just blips on radars. How are we gonna be able to grab hold of the big picture when God was here before the beginning of time and sees it all? So fear God. What do we say in Proverbs 1, 7? The start of wisdom or the start of knowledge is fear of the Lord. It starts in fear of the Lord. You wanna grow in understanding, biblical understanding? It comes by fear of the Lord, that, that respect for who he is and what he can do. The power that he has. So fear God. The second thing, obey his commandments. Do what he's called us to do. How can you become more like Christ here on this earth? As we talked about, there's four things in the upside down kingdom. There's a lot more than that. Jesus says in Matthew 7, you build your life on my principles. You're on a firm foundation. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what chaos is going on in Afghanistan. These things are going to always be there. Kings and kingdoms against kings and kingdoms. It's been here. It will always be here. We are a part of the kingdom of God. We are building a different kingdom. This upside down kingdom will run contrary to the kingdom here on this earth. We're building something different. So we can live in this place and say, we're just gonna obey his commandments. This is everyone's duty. We're standing on good ground. I think we can rise up in hope here today because a lot of what I've felt over the past two years since this pandemic has hit, is a lot of hopelessness, a lot of fear. A lot of frustration. A lot of like, what in the world is going on? But even as a pastor and a shepherd, it's like, well, my hope isn't in this world though. I got to remind myself that because I want my hope to be in this world because I'm raising my kids inside of it. I want the world to be great. I want the world to be prosperous. I want the future of my children to be good. But it's already written in the story that we live in an evil world. It's, it's We're dying every single day. The moment you're born, you're dying every single day. You're one step closer to the end. But Jesus, in God's plan, He's provided eternal hope. Amen. So, as Paul would write to 2 Timothy, let me just say, for some of those individuals that want to go down, oh, verse 23 this is his encouragement to him. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. There's people that are in darkness today that don't know the truth, that are living according to their selfish sinful desires. We just can't get caught up in the foolish talk. We gotta stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on the gospel. Stay focused on the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Stay focused on his principles. Stay focused on the upside down kingdom. And maybe, just maybe, as we serve people, as we die to self, maybe, just maybe, as we operate in generosity, people might say, man, who are these people? Our enemies, why do I feel like my eyes are burning out of my head? And in the process of that, People can be removed, by dark, you know, removed from the darkness into the light. They may be drawn to the truth in which we walk in, in Jesus Christ. And maybe just maybe on our journey of watering seeds, we get the opportunity to see God bring increase in people's lives. Don't allow the chaos of this world. Be wise in this generation, the information age. Be wise and have all the information you need through God's word to rise up and be change agents in a world that desperately needs. You want to lead? Serve. You want to influence? Serve. Amen. There's a weight to this wisdom. I pray it does not crush you. I pray through the weight of the truth of Jesus Christ, the, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it frees you. My heart for us today is that we have become childlike again. Take the joy of the Lord. Don't turn on the news and be like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? When's the next time I'm gonna have a good dessert or a good meal, amen? When's the next time I'm gonna be hanging out with my friends and just laughing and loving life? When is the next time that I get an opportunity to share my faith with somebody? When is the next time I get to live life to the fullest that God has called me to? Amen? Not overwhelmed by the weight, but set free in salvation in Jesus Christ. God, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you set a plan in place before we were ever in our mother's womb before we were ever a thought in our mother's womb, you've already set a course of salvation for us, set a course of freedom for us, set a plan that we can live according to different principles, live according to different information than this world, God, and be free from it. God, I pray for our, our church community, God, not to be overwhelmed by the chaos of this world and the knowledge within May they be free today in you. Free by your spirit. Overwhelmed by the fruit of your spirit, God. That even in the face of destruction, love, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, all of these fruits would be on display inside of our lives, God. Father, what we live it's not just meaningless. It's not, we're not chasing the wind. But God, we're chasing you, and in that, we're leaving a massive impact for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen. And amen. Love you guys. God bless you.